Hello and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast, the fastest growing conservative evangelical charismatic podcast in the entire Fox Chapel area. I'm just joined today by all the people I'm always joined by. With the regulars. Regular crowd. The two Bens. And uh, today we're beginning a new series from the book of First Thessalonians. So it's Los Yetis. Sadly, leave us for a moment. They'll be back. We're going to turn to the book of First Thessalonians. And uh, this new series, you know, we, we talk a lot about what the gospel is, which we should do. That's important Seems to share it. Yeah. It is appropriate. But we're really looking in the next nine weeks at, at what the gospel does. So what does it actually do to you to have the gospel, believe in the gospel, love the gospel, share the gospel? What practical difference will it make to your lives? And uh, mm. w- what power does it have? Yeah, it's not something pie in the sky, just right. like it's only good for after you die. Like it actually has a real effect here. Dinner on your plate while you wait. Dinner on your plate while you wait. I mm. haven't heard that one. Yeah. But wait, unpack that. I'm, I'm Well, a instead of dull. pie in the sky when you die, dinner on the plate when you wait. So th- there's a, a real living Oh, there's like meat that, yeah. Yeah. Christ is not just your salvation, he's your like sustenance. Yeah, that's right. And probably just worth also noting that in British idiom, a pie usually has meat inside of it, not fruit. Mm. And that's disgusting. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Except for chicken pot pie. (laughs) Chicken pot pie. Shepherd's pie cooked by by the gray family. It's well known that, that food Nazis are fickle and they make exceptions for chicken. Did you know that um, Kat make calls her sh- calls shepherd's pie cottage pie? No, she doesn't. And this is this is the, they're the same thing. No, they're both delicious. They're radically different. Oh yeah. Yeah. Co- cottage, cottage pie is beef, and you can use meat if you want or a mix. Okay. Trader Joe's um, plant-based uh, fake meat. Oh. Uh, but a shepherd's pie is lamb. Oh really? Well, there it is. That makes a little bit of sense. I still think the English are weird. But well, whatever it was racist. that that she made was delicious. Shout out to Cat Shuttleworth. Thank you. And to everyone else who made delicious food for us. So uh, we're going to turn to scripture yeah. before we come to blows over a meat pie. <laughs> there was actually a war uh, over meat pies. Uh, <laughs> In English history. It sounds wow. like the most English so, thing. Yeah, the, most, <laughs> the most English. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. It was. It got very, very acrimonious. So uh, we are in First Thessalonians chapter 1. Who will read the scripture for us? I'd be happy to. Thanks awfully. Thank you. I'm reading from First Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy... To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in, de- in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of, of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit 
so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Ben, for reading that. So I think really just to say about, about the town, they, they were confused about Christ's return, and they were failing to live in the freedom and the power that the gospel really brings to you. And so I think Paul sends this letter to encourage them and, and to empower them and to exhort them and assure them uh, that, you know, even when times are really hard, the gospel does something. And then this week, uh, we've called the sermon, The Gospel of Deliverance and Power. Mm. And this, that little verse jumps out where he talks about the power of, uh, of the gospel to bring deliverance from, from evil and even from death. Yeah. So it's not just an intellectual exercise, receiving the gospel. Mm-hmm. I, it's interesting, too, like, I, it, yeah, the context of the book being that they're very confused about the second coming of mm. Christ, and a lot of people are expecting it imminently, and some have stopped working because they're just waiting for Jesus to come back. And, yeah. Uh, it's interesting how Paul goes about this argument that he's actually bringing them back to what they already have done. Mm. And saying, look at your own example, like how... How yeah. faithful you've been and how uh, effective you've been for the sake of the gospel in Macedonia and Achaia. Like, mm. these people have benefited from your work and these people have shown how much the gospel has changed you. Like, yeah. I, I think that's some clear evidence for the work of the gospel in us is what other people uh, have said about how it's changed us and how it's changed them. Mm. Um, so, there's a, yeah, there's a missional aspect of it that is inherent to the gospel as well and how it affects other people. Huh, yeah. That, uh, you just What you said just made me think about the book of Galatians, too. Um, you know how Paul calls the Galatians back to, like, the initial joy in the Holy Spirit yeah, that they yeah. had? And it's it seems like it's so reminiscent of my... <laughs> like, that, that, that calls forth my own experience, too, that, like, we have this initial uh, incredible joy when we receive Christ and there's... Uh, and, and you live in, by the Holy Spirit, but then we always start to tack stuff on or we get drawn away, and mm. there's always this need to kind of, like, get back to the core, the power of the Holy Spirit and, you know, relying upon God, I guess, having an authentic and honest relationship with Him. Um, it seems like Paul's always calling his churches back to that. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's true. Because what does he say there? Who, who's bewitched you? Yeah. Foolish Galatians, and where does he say how did you so a quickly ag- abandon the gospel? Like, yeah, yeah. Mm. Who cut in on you? You're running in such a good race. Like Paul, Paul, I think is is often yeah encouraging them. Hey, look, you had this thing; it was going well. What's up? Mm. And so, I mean, what's interesting is that that here, I think he says, um, yeah, you received the word. This is verse six. You received the word in much affliction. So actually, the, the, the moment of conversion was actually a low point during, during things going wrong, which is interesting. So it wasn't like, oh, they came to faith during the good old days, and now it's gone bad. Mm. Uh, they received the word 
at a hard time, or, 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 or hard times came because of receiving the word. I'm not sure yet. Does anyone receive the, receive the word in the good old days? <laughs> lying on a beach, drinking. Things are swell. <laughs> yeah. And in that affliction, they received the word with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's a good point. Like, uh, that's striking to me of, that's the work of the word. That's the work mm. of the gospel, is to bring the joy of right. the Spirit even in affliction. So and even, even when times are hard. Yeah. When times are hard, there's a transcendent and deeper, greater joy than the circumstances that we're in. So let's talk a bit about that because I think that's a real applicatory point. Um, does it just mean that if you're having a hard time and you're a Christian, you have to be smiling and, <coughs> and you know, there's something wrong with you if you're not happy? Or, or, or what is this really saying? Because I could see how this verse could be abused. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure it has been abused. Ben looks like he's about to say something. Yeah, sorry, this we're not on <laughs> video. Thank heavens. Um, I, maybe just that, like, in our lowest places, we are. Um, maybe we can be encouraged that we are maybe closer or more, more open um, by virtue of our afflictions mm. to seeing and witnessing the power of God's work in our life. Mm. Like when things are going wrong, you almost like, like look out. It's going to something like God might, you might actually see the way that God's working here. Um, mm. I, I, again, I'm like speaking in a lot of ways experientially. Right. Um, but I've just seen people like really have like breakdowns in churches and then a breakthrough Mm. accompanies that breakdown, it seems like. I don't know. Have you guys seen that, or am oh, I yeah. just making stuff up? No. No, I've seen that a lot. And I don't know if it's something to do with the fact that you've, you've got, it feels like there's less to lose, uh, or, or, or maybe the clearing away of just concerns. I mean, I, I think, I mean, what my, my mind was going to kind of ministry to people at the point of death actually, the last few days. And there seems to be, uh, there's a much greater joy in the hearts of, of, a, of a believer who's dying mm. than a non-believer. And it's very, very different. And I, I guess maybe you get to that stage where, you know, some human things are in order. And even if they're not, you, you, it really comes down to this, what's next? And yeah. what am I for? And what lasts? And what's eternal? <coughs> and lots of things get put in perspective. I, I think the clearest thinkers are probably the dying. Yeah, I uh, I think that that, import, that point is important about how affliction can just throw into sharp relief like mm. the reality of things and, right. and put things in their proper order because you realize what's actually important in life and what's eternal. I I was uh, I, we did the seven last words on the cross, which I really enjoyed, and I got to do a few of them. One of the one was the the thief. Um, mm. on the cross saying, Jesus, remember me. And that declaration of faith, like, there's this moment of beautiful clarity that he has, seeing yeah. Jesus hanging on the cross next to him, knowing that he's a king, and he has a kingdom he's going into, and mm. trying to uh, ask for a place in it. And there's a miraculous faith and, like, this uh, incredible clarity yeah. that he has in that moment of extreme suffering next to death. Yeah. And... And I think that, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't only work in suffering, but 
there's something about the context of suffering that can really help us to see the work of the Spirit, yeah. to see Jesus and to see eternal things in their proper light with much more clarity. Uh, I think that's right. In snooker, they call it a shot to nothing. Uh, a shot to nothing is where you, you, you might as well take this little risky shot because there's no penalty for, for missing it. You can get the ball back to somewhere safe. It's called a shot to nothing. And I, I wonder if there's a bit of a shot to nothing as well. It's like, well, why not? I mean, who knows how developed this thief's theology is? Yeah. <laughs> but why not? I mean... It's Pascal's wager. Is it Pas- it's Pascal's wager, yeah. Yeah, like if, if, there, if there is a God uh, then, and, and the gospel's true, then awesome, I might as well believe it. And if it's, if it's not, then, mm-hmm. uh, then there's nothing anyways, and so what do I have to lose? I don't actually like that line of argument <laughs> entirely because it's kind of a half-hearted... Like, I don't actually really quite agree with that. I, the, the problem with it, as well as the shot-to-nothing analogy, is that... Um, it presupposes that that coming to faith is a is a purely cerebral kind of exercise of <laughs> yeah. weighing up the odds, yeah. and it's likely, really, much more likely that what the thief has is a uh, a revelation through the power of the Holy Spirit of, of the Lordship of Christ, yeah. because that's what the cross is. Mm-hmm. Sounds more like it. Um, but then that's the same, but it gets to the same thing that if when when all is stripped away, it's it's the joy is even easier to see. Yeah. And uh, Pascal's wager also, uh, another thing I don't like about it is that it puts it on us. Uh, yeah. And like, <laughs> Paul's clearly saying, we know brothers loved by God that he has chosen you. Like, the, the work of God in us far precedes our work to come to him. Right. And, you know, God invites us in and God gives the Holy Spirit and sometimes brings us to that moment of perfect clarity, not by our own doing, not that we brought ourselves to that moment of seeing more clearly or of understanding the gospel, but like, this is a work of grace from beginning to end. Right. God brings us to it. Right. That's really important. And I think following on that, like when I'm in a low place, um, my pretty much only thought is almost always, how do I get myself out of this low place? Right, like how do I how do I fix this bad situation? Um, and it's it's very rarely um, following uh, on that of like what is God and His sovereign love wanting to show me? Yeah, from this low place that I can only see from here. Mm-hmm. Mm. The word then came in power, and that's. That's something that's, I, I think, often lacking in, in church experience is any kind of expectation that this could be powerful. Yeah. I mean, the church doesn't often look very powerful. Yeah. And do you think by power, and then in the Holy Spirit is next, do you think by power he's actually speaking of miraculous signs in particular or of just like, oh yeah, this was a powerful moment, and that conviction through the Holy Spirit was the power. Um, I, I've read a lot that that, that mm. power means specifically miraculous signs that is it, accompany is it, the preaching of the is gospel. Is it dunamis? Is that I, that's Kratos the most common word for power, so I'm assuming I'm I haven't looked at right the Greek. All right, so you look it up. Because I think that's going to give us a little bit of a hint. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll predefine it, and then if it's not yeah. it, we'll just 
Ignore people it. People just put up with it. Yeah. But uh, dunamis, like dynamic, is, uh, is this idea of, of something kind of generating mm -hmm. power Duname. and getting a... Duname. Yeah, it's, it's dunamis. Good. Yeah. And so that's often a spiritual kind of a power, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go for it. Like, let's, let's say whatever is the most thing it could be, let's say it's that, because it's always more fun. It, it seems that uh, that kind of description, especially throughout Acts, refers specifically to miraculous works of healing, right. miracles, uh, and, and other manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, maybe we are drawing an artificial distinction between the miracle of a miracle of physical healing and a miracle of people receiving the gospel. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it's 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 the work of yep. God to that, redeem humanity. Yeah, that work of full conviction yeah. that is like a transformative moment is a work of power of the Holy Spirit for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's that liberating experience and and then accompanying signs and gifts of the spirit and fruit of the spirit there's something transformative i mean this is a this is a church that's being transformed and i guess it probably isn't a church if it's not being transformed ooh that's a word ooh yeah am i allowed that i think so it's not a church if it's not being transformed yeah cuz then it's away from jesus if you're willing to say that in your own church in which you are the rector yeah i think you're allowed to say it all right I'll say it. <laughs> I mean, I've been trying to get rid of people from this church for, for years. They, see, they keep coming. So I think the gospel has, has part of the power of the gospel is it attracts. Yeah. Like, I mean, crumbs. I just called Fox Chapel a grave, so we'll see if anyone comes back. <laughs> yeah. you know? Let's see. It's, it, I, I think that's the wonderful thing that he's reminding them, that, the, that, that this ought to be a power dynamic and experience, uh, and, and that that overwhelms affliction. In fact, often we get it during affliction. And... Um, and then, uh, then he says, not only, this is verse 8, has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you. Um, and your faith has gone everywhere. So, so it's, it, this isn't people just hiding their homes learning stuff. Yeah. Evidently. They received the word, then it went forth from them. Yeah, in and Like out. immediately. Yeah. And uh, that's another thing that I think is, is lacking in our churches a lot. Like this receiving of the word in the Holy Spirit, for me, is not just for me. It's not just about what God wants to do in me, but it's what God wants to do through me then, through the Holy Spirit in proclaiming the word to the world can and you say, everyone else. Can you say it's not received unless it's shared? Ooh. Another word. Mm, you're, you're on a roll here. No, I wouldn't say that. Because, ah, really? Sorry. <laughs> nope, heresy. Okay. Well, I mean, I would say that sharing is the necessary antecedent to receiving, just as we good Protestants, Reformed folks would say that works are the necessary antecedent to faith. Like good work. So yeah, like, but but can something can the word of the gospel be fully received if you, it's not clear that your responsibility now is to share? Oh well, I mean, I think there's a moment when you can authentically receive the gospel and have not yet shared it. Otherwise, like you have to like. Oh, oh uh, yeah, sure. So yeah. I, I maybe I'm drawing an artificial distinction, but I think that the no, you're thinking about process. Uh, yeah. In a way, right? But I mean, yeah. It could you receive the gospel and not have shared it for over twenty years? Oh uh, no! All right, there you go. <laughs> so no. that's, yeah. I'm just going to set uh, up. I'm just going to give witty aphorisms, and you two can fight. Great. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great dynamic we're setting up here. It's a, it's a this is the dynamis of this uh, <laughs> this trio. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm just struck by that. Uh, 
there is no there is no distinction there between that I think that Paul is making here of how they receive the gospel and then how it is sent out from them. Like mm. to be a Christian is to receive the gospel and to right. sound forth the gospel uh, to those around you. I mean, I think I think fair point Hughes that that I don't want to make sharing the gospel seem like a work. Um, yeah, and you know you're going to get it. There's a wife at the door of the podcast. We're actually recording, but you can come in. You got a shout out in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're all, all the wires. Okay. You okay? Thanks, darling. Go Jesus. Kat Shuttleworth says, go Jesus. She's gone? She's gone. Uh, <laughs> was interrupted. Like, there's nowhere to go, is there? Yep, that's okay. All right, so this is cool. Um, I, I noticed as you read on even further... Uh, that uh, he says, you turn to God from idols Mm -hmm. to serve the living and true God. And we'll we'll get on a bit more in a minute, but um, you turn, receiving the gospel is also a deliverance from from something, idols. And uh, I just wonder, like, when we talk about this, whether, you you know, you think of, like, a carved thing and it's got an ugly face and so on. But I I don't think Paul is just talking only about little figurines household representatives of, of demonic power. I think he's, I mean, anything can be an, an idol. Yeah. Anything that we put in a position that God alone should inhabit uh, is an idol. Anything that we ascribe to worship or give our devotion to or mm. uh, seek after with all our heart, e- mind, e- and strength. E- like, even if it's below him, right, on the list. Yeah. Like you could have God and then, you know, the thing in second place. Yeah. It, Whatever he, it is. It could be a great thing. Any any great and holy thing that's not God. And it can be something that uh can also be like you could you could enjoy it in such a way that it's not idolatrous. Yeah. At the same time. Like for instance, uh you could if you worry about whether you um like love your wife more than you love God and you feel like those two relationships are competing mm. in your life. Um, that suddenly your marriage becomes an idol, weirdly. But I mean, I just kicked mine out of the studio. <laughs> you did, Jesus. So yeah, we're not. You're not like, in that danger right now. Yeah, I'm, the danger's almost in the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you defended the dignity of her pies though earlier. So um, or the integrity. So it's it, it's all good. <laughs> now Bridget wants to come um, in. Hello. Yeah. The candle is in fact green. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah, we are. We've been trying to get you on the podcast for a year. You've come in with stuff about candles. Bridget Michael, everyone. She's Bridget, on the Bridget podcast, Bridget. showing up a cameo. Yes. She's very popular. People have been asking for Bridget to be on the podcast for, for over a year. And my line of thought is gone. Yeah, it's completely ruined. <laughs> but we have the wrong candle, so that's comforting. It was really good as well, what you were saying. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, your, your marriage and your... your Ones. Yeah, your your wife can that can be competing against, but really, God created marriage to be something that is like your enjoyment of your spouse is actually can be a form of worshiping Him. So, mm. like, anytime we try to take something that's good and separate it away from God, yeah, um, then we're getting into the territory of idolatry. Yes, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And the temptation of idols is that they give you a sense of power and control. And uh, but really, the trap of the idol is that they're 
controlling you. Mm. And that power is not it's not it's not dynamic. It's not it's not there's not a power dynamic. It's actually just mm. a thing. Mm. It's un it's unpowered. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and the the reception of the gospel is is found in that moment of turning from idols mm. and yeah. to serve the true and living God. Yeah, uh, turning from dead things to the living thing, and to the the one living one and uh, the only true one. Yeah, and that's a that being a conscious choice that we get to make in response to the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Yeah, we all know what that was. You, you always start. I always look across and I see Alex starting to smile, <laughs> and then my line of concentration. I feel bad because I I can't focus on what Ben's actually saying anymore. Neither can I when you guys start to look at me like that. I lost my train of thought. Thank you very much. Well, this has been a podcast of Christchurch Fox Chapel with special guest appearances from Kat and Bridget. The candle, if anyone wants to know, is green.